Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. When I saw the title of our movie, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think anyone's going to get out alive. That's fair. I think that's fair. I think I think it is in using the context clues of the title, it's fair to come to that conclusion. And we're going to cover spoilers in this episode, so we're going to let you know by the end of this whether anyone gets out alive or not. If they do get out alive, the title is a lie. True. And that title is No One Gets Out Alive from 2021. Yes. This movie is going to make it very difficult for me to stick to my I'm not giving hot political tips at the end of these movies for a few months. Yeah, starting right off with the first one. Wow, because this movie is just entirely about the immigrant experience. Yeah. A brief summary. Ambar is an illegal immigrant in the U.S., so we see that she's got her job that she's, you know, pays her in cash and she's staying at this boarding house. I mean, it's Women basically only. a sweatshop that she works yes, in. Yes, totally. And she's stuck, basically, in this situation where she's in this terrible apartment building. And it's extra terrible due to the hauntings of sorts, I guess. Oh, definitely hauntings. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Definitely hauntings. Yeah, I shouldn't have questioned that. Yes, there are indeed hauntings. That's not really the issue, but there are hauntings. Yes, it's not the only issue. <laughs> so here's the thing with this boarding house. It's run by a guy named Red, who's mm-hmm. creepy, mm-hmm. and it's women only. So he's like, hey, only women allowed in here, and me. Here's the thing. When she found the flyer that was like, this boarding house, women only, I was like, okay, and then it's being run by a man, and I was like, nope, that's a big old red flag. Yeah, that's that's real not good. And then, of course, oh, that guy you saw, that's my brother. He's here, too. Like, Yeah, no. There's At that point, I think there were more men than women in the building. Well, are we counting the women that they're keeping in the basement? I don't think they kept any, though. I think... They, they okay, got rid of Okay, maybe all the crying fast. was the ghosts? Yeah. I think okay, so. Okay, so are we counting the ghosts? I wouldn't count ghosts. Ghosts aren't people. Oh, the ghosts that live in our house are very angry at you right now. Ugh, what are they going to do? <laughs> oh my God. Take that back right this minute. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm going on vacation away from you for a uh, while. Not for a couple of days. <laughs> yes, I think you were right. For a, a time, it's Red and Becker... And then their two boarders, Ambar and Freya, who we only meet a couple of times and who is, from the very beginning, she's already, like, way spooked out. Like, she already knows what's going on. Well, and I think, though, she disappears, and Mm -hmm. it's Red, Becker, and Ambar as the entire population. 
Well, except that Maria and Petra show up very shortly. They at, do. Like right around the time yeah. that Freya disappears, I think. Yeah. So it's very in and out. Nobody's here for long. Wonder why that is. Situation. Hmm. Well, you could get an answer. All you'd have to do is ask all the ghosts. There are a lot of ghosts. Yeah. But it's confusing because you usually only see them in what turns out to be a dream again and again and again. Yes. that There was a lot of that. It was hard to know what was really going on, especially at the end, because mm-hmm. sometimes the things were really happening and sometimes they weren't. And this is the overarching theme of the movie that I got or the, the message that I took away from it. You know, she's Ambar's real waking life is so full of stress and terror that it can't really compete for the most part with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like like when it's just the ghosts and it's just the haunting, she's kind of like, "Welp, there, there's a point and it, it's not intended to be what you're saying, but there's a point when a ghost runs towards her. There's an invisible person running straight at her and you can only tell because of wet footprints on the ground. And what she does is she steps aside to not be in the way. That's the whole thing. Like, like there are multiple times where she's like, huh? So there's a screaming, crying dead lady in my room. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Like she doesn't really have a response to these things. Even when she's seeing her own dead mother, she's upset, but it's not worse than the fact that she can't ask for help. She can't hold anyone accountable for the bad things that they're doing to her. Like it's not worse than the fact that she works in a sweatshop, that they underpay her, that they're abusive to her, that someone she thought was her friend took off with her last money, like that she can't, you know, people keep increasing the cost of the things that she needs so that she can't get them. Like Mm -hmm. all of her life is so difficult that ghosts don't even register for her. It's not until Red and Becker are like actively trying to murder her (laughs) that she really starts having a problem with what's going on. Yeah, because it's not the ghosts that are the problem. It's Red and Becker. Right. Well, maybe even it's not even that they tried to murder her. It's when she realizes that they are murdering women in this house. Yeah. Because like it it was a ghost thing that made her decide, yeah, I'm out of here. But it was because she realized what she was caught up in and was like, I can't do this. That concept leads into my hot political tip for this <gasps> movie. Okay. I had like a kind of revelation and it's not a great revelation because it's all things everybody knows, but it, watching this movie, it kind of tied together for me in a way, which is, you th- okay, think about this. We all get mad when billionaires and big political figures get away with any crime they want, right? Yep. And that's totally how it is. We all know that's what happens. If you're a billionaire or whatever, the laws don't really apply to you. And there's also the idea that poor people are over-policed. And the way I was thinking about it with this movie is they're like a cork floating on this current that they can't control. Like the world Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. happens to them and they have no power to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, it's a sliding scale The more money you have, the more control you have of your life. And so incredibly poor people are just stuck. They just have to keep working that job, 
getting food on the table mm-hmm. and moving, and there's nothing they can do about it. And if somebody comes and says, we're going to tear your house down because of whatever reason, it happens. And there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, more middle class, you're like, well, I'm going to sue you and other things. And you, you've you got some control. And then up to the billionaires who literally can ignore laws, uh, any yeah. law they want. And that's just interesting to me that it's a direct sliding scale based on nothing more than how much money you have. I mean, that's essentially capitalism or the inevitable side effect of capitalism, I guess. Like it's maybe not the intent of capitalism, but it's what happens when you build your entire society around what you have. About money. Yes. Now the other piece of that or the like ironic in the sense of I want to burn things down irony. Yeah. That kind. Is that, For example, Ambar, who has zero control over her life. Like, Mm -hmm. she's making all of these decisions and she's doing all of these things that if you have some control over your life, you look at it and you're like, why? Why would you stay? The minute you see that this women-only boarding house is owned by a man and that the bed, one corner of the bed is being propped up by a box, like, the minute you see that... Why didn't you leave? Like, there's that question of, mm-hmm. or your boss is setting unreasonable expectations and underpaying you for the excessive amount of work he's asking you to do. Why don't you go get another job? Like, that's the irony of it is that these people who have no control, who have no choices, are then asked by the people who have no idea what their lives are actually like because they have control. Why aren't you taking control of your life? Yeah. And that's like, to be honest, watching this movie, sort of like you were saying, it's not a revelation. It's not a new thought to me, but it like really coalesced the idea. Watching this movie, I'm like, I don't understand how the entire class of people in our country who are economically disadvantaged for whether they're citizens or not, whether they're Americans or not, like the majority of the people in our country belong to that group now because Reagan destroyed the middle class. I don't understand how they don't just burn everything down all the time. And, and I don't, I'm not saying that in a questioning, well, why don't you just burn it all down? I literally don't understand how they aren't pushed on a daily basis to the brink of being like, you know what? Screw this. I am done. It's a lot of self playing into this world and this, entire situation like no more it's not worth it yeah this movie did a good job of showing you that feeling of powerlessness Mm -hmm. and what it's like to be trapped in there and of course that enters into what it's about is you know she's trapped in this haunted house and Mm -hmm. you know it works better than the usual family were like, why don't you just leave? <laughs> just, well, we just, just bought leave. this house. Yeah, and you have money to go buy another one. If you <laughs> really, really needed to, or you could, you know, go stay in a hotel or, you mm-hmm. know, you have choices. This woman did not have choices. No. In fact, she didn't even have the choices that she should have had in that she has a relative who lives in the same town yeah. who is probably upper middle class at this point. Like he's been in the States. He has his family here. He's got his teenage son who doesn't speak any Spanish because, you know, that is also part of this whole thing. And this family won't 
help her, won't do anything to her. Well, we don't know you. Yeah. We don't know you. Well, that is my second hot political tip because her cousin, the husband of the couple, does come to help her. And what we have in that moment is women are being mistreated Mm -hmm. and Beto comes riding in to save the day. And then he gets his face smashed in by an old white guy. Yeah, that did that strike a little close to home for you? That was that was definitely a feeling. Yeah, that she she rested her hopes on Beto. Yeah, he raised her hopes up. He was coming in. He's like, "I'm gonna save you all," and then just smashed to bits by this stupid white guy. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. The thing I liked about this movie was how. Within the context of an entertaining story, because like we're talking about the the take it too seriously pieces mm-hmm. of it, the which message. it's not. It's not taking it too seriously. This is what the movie was trying to say. But we're talking about the message, exactly. But the message is carried by a really like well put together horror movie. It's not like super original or anything. Because I mean, Mesoamerican box with creepy praying mantis goddess inside takes control of pillaging archaeologists creating a cycle of women being captured and fed to said goddess like that's not a super original story in the horror genre but putting the immigrant element into it and then making that so much a part of it and showing so clearly the different things that happen, like just the fact of, of this family not being willing to recognize family because they've risen out of where she is and they are not going to let her drag them back in for any reason Mm -hmm. is basically the sense that I got at the beginning. Like Beto did come and help her eventually and look where it got him. Yep. It sure did. Which really makes his wife's point for him. Right. I was literally thinking about that. I'm like, oh, we're not, the movie doesn't address at all the fact that now his wife and son don't know where he is. Yeah. And are going to find out at some point that he got murdered in this gross hostel because he tried to help his cousin. The other piece of it was like that she had this friend at work whose name was Kinsey. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I don't think we know where Kinsey is from. We just know she and Kinsey, like, are friendly at work. Kinsey is helping her try to get a fake ID, yep. which of course costs more because she needs it from a certain place rather than just wherever. But Kinsey, there is a friendship there. And then suddenly Kinsey's like, okay, well, here's the thing. I can lend you the money that you need to get this expensive ID. And then later you can, you know, you can pay me back once you get your good paying job. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, see, this is immigrants working together. Nope. Kinsey takes the last money that she has and disappears off to, you know, wherever. Because Kinsey is also in exactly the same situation yeah. and is not here to make friends. Yeah, she's got to do what's for her because there's just no control. Absolutely. And we don't know anything about Kinsey's story. So it's easy. Like at first I was like, oh, gross, like just another terrible person taking advantage of her. And then I started thinking about all the different things that could be going on with Kinsey, like 
does she have kids that she's trying to feed? Mm-hmm. Does she have somebody who's like keeping her passport hostage until she pays off a certain amount of money because she was human trafficked over here? Yeah, and it makes a like, lot of sense. What, there are so many possibilities of what could have been going on with Kinsey that would make her betray this friendship because friendship is meaningless to her at this point. Like it, it doesn't get you anything if you are friends with someone who is in the same boat that you're in. Yeah, it's just another example of how capitalism turns us all into enemies. Right? Right? It's cool. Like, there are so many times when collaboration and teamwork and leaning on one another, like, that's how you get through things unless you are the group of people that the uber-rich in America have decided to use as their punching bag, in which case you are alienated and ostracized and blamed for all of the problems. And so then other slightly less miserable, but still very miserable people take all of their misery out on you because you're reachable because the guys who are actually causing the problems are not someone you can get a hold of. Yeah. It's super great. So we're talking about a movie that's fun and there's ghosts. Yeah. Okay. As you were saying, it's not a very original premise and whatever. That monster was very original. Oh my gosh. That was a freaky freak of nature. And not so much freaky in like, you look at it and you're like all creeped out. I was. (laughs) But more that it's like, who came up with this? Because it's so not what you expect. Like no part of it really makes sense. So I suspect that this is at least based on some kind of monster from like Aztec maybe yes yeah, some Aztec some Mesoamerican culture because that's what the entire premise of you know that's they kept saying that that's where the box was from yeah. and blah 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 so i suspect there's influence in there but yeah it was very disconcerting yeah she was like a bug human because it was sort of like she had yeah. wings that hadn't quite been released from it, yeah like That's metamorphosis indeed right and then like she had the arms that were kind of also not fully released but then the legs were also arms yep and she had like a face but like with a veil over it except the veil was definitely part of her yes it was it was also like a, a skin veil kind of yes thing. And then her her mouth was like up inside between her arms, yeah, on, in kind of an underneath region, and she would like crouch on her second set of arms <laughs> over you and like bite your head off with her big inside hidden mouth, which is why it made me think praying mantis. Yeah. There are very few times where a movie decides, you know what, we're going to just show you the monster, (laughs) and the monster ends up being scarier than anything that I was imagining. This monster (laughs) definitely surpassed my imagination. Yeah, I think the idea of just doing something that doesn't match any life form we know is mm-hmm. that's a lot smarter because monsters are always like it's a person but they're disfigured and weird like okay right. big deal right and this was not that at all <laughs> i think there was also an element of even though this movie was in english 
was it made in America? Is it an American I think film? So it still really felt like it had a lot of that second culture kind of feel, mm-hmm. and I think. Sort of like how watching Korean or Japanese or Thai horror, the way they portray scary things is just different enough that it's still scary because I haven't been exposed to it so much. Yeah. This like ticked that box for me. I was like, oh, this is scary because <laughs> I haven't become immune to it yet. So that was that was interesting. I've never experienced that through a different culture other than those like. Asian horror movies, which all kind of have similar feels to them. So it was interesting to experience that through a, a different... Yeah, because we have seen a few different Latin American horror movies, and they're like American ones, like just there, there's ghosts and they're ghosts. Yeah. It hasn't really been anything weird. And I think this is more based on Aztec ideas. It has a more indigenous yeah. feel to it, as opposed to like the modern... Yeah. Aspect. Yeah. It was it was very different, very interesting, and I I really liked the monster in this movie. I thought it was very unique and interesting. And side note, it was our second mystery box show of the day after we watched Doctor Who right before that. Yes. This <laughs> this stone box was a TARDIS box. It was bigger on the inside. That's true, but I was also thinking that the one we watched was the one about all the mystery cubes that no one knew what was inside oh, until they opened. <laughs> yeah. 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 There were just boxes all over the yeah. place. And and TARDISes all over mm-hmm. the place. Okay, so I have a question. At the end, Ambar ends up chained, tied to the sacrificial altar. The monster is crawling out of the box is like over her. She's kind of in this like hallucinatory dream state. Yeah. Hypnotic state sort of where she's, her mind has gone into the box. And on the other side of this like tunnel that the box becomes, she ends up in her mother's hospital room in whatever country they are from. And I don't think it's ever clear, or maybe I just missed it. I assumed it was Mexico, but I'm not sure that it ever actually said that. Yeah, I don't know. So she ends up there and she's like interacting with her mother, kind of reliving that those like last days. And and the story, her story was that she was stuck there until her mother died. She couldn't come to the United States and try to better her life until her mother died. And her mother kept getting sick and getting better and getting sick and getting better. Mm-hmm. So there was this relief when it was finally all over and she could start to take care of herself. So now she's in the box reliving those last days. And her mother in the dream state is saying like, you need to stay with me. Yeah. And she like finally is like, absolutely not. I am not staying here. I can't stay here any longer. And she puts a pillow over her mother's face and she suffocates her. Yeah, she did. And this like act of defiance frees her from the monster. Like sh- the monster lets her go at yeah, that it's point. It's like, oh, never mind. Right? If you're going to be like that. Which all of that I thought was very cool. The act of saying no and like choosing yourself mm-hmm. is the thing that saved her life from that monster. Like mm-hmm. that was a pretty cool moment for me. But my question is, do you think she killed her mom? I don't think she killed her mom. I never had that thought until you just said it. So 
I guess no. I I think that's what I didn't get was why that was the thing she did. Like it it was weird that you know. I mean, I get it. She was fighting back against the the monster in there, mm-hmm. trying to force her to stay. But the fact that it was through the act of killing her mother in a dream was. That was weird to me. Well, you know how she kept listening to that voicemail mm-hmm. message from her mother begging her to come back tomorrow? I So there's something to that. And I couldn't figure out if it was that she just didn't go back. She finally was like, I have to leave. Yeah. You're dying. I can't do anything for you. I have to save myself. I'm leaving. And that's it. And like she left and her mother died while she was gone. Yeah. If that If she's carrying that guilt... Or if she truly did like do something to cause her mother, like she's like, well, you're at the end of your life. Like, I can't wait for you to finish this last bit. I'm going to suffocate or like drug you in some way well, to hasten it along. Not. Like the last time she was listening to those messages, I was like, oh, she's feeling this guilt mm-hmm. over having left mm-hmm. before the end. Cause that, that hits home for me when my, I was not young enough to have done this. This was a bad thing I did. So I'm just admitting a bad thing on our podcast. When my grandma was going to die, like this was the end, I got a phone call from my aunt or my mom saying, you should come down. This might be your last chance. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just a message because I just pretended I hadn't received it. And I just hung Mm. out at home. Mm. And here's a ghost story. Okay. A little while after that, an hour or two after that, there was this rattling, shaking thing, like probably somebody running down the hall, pounding their feet really fast. Yeah. The whole place was like shaking and noisy. And it was like freight train running through the apartment building. I was like, whoa. And that was approximately the moment. Oh. So it was like, I, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. And Uh I felt guilt over this, Uh you know, not being there for that. So it was like that. Yeah. It's, that's, that's really hard because there is, there's so much that goes into that. And there's so many pieces and elements that, that are moving around in what it was that you would have to handle if you had gone back and just all of that. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So that's that's the vision I got there was that she, you know, was feeling guilty if she had missed the very end and right. felt guilt about that. Right. I, I suspect that that's what it is. But the fact that, you know, like how she stood up and, you know, and maybe it was the monster was using that memory to try to guilt her in, or, you know, to try to get her to give up. And, and because I sort of think that's what it was like the, the monster, it was one of those monsters that has to get you to essentially sacrifice yourself, right? You have to let it kill you. And so it uses the things that would make you be willing to sacrifice yourself. And so I think, you know, that it was just an escalation of what really happened. But there was that question of like, oh, how, how much did she, what did she have to do to get away? You know, like. Well, on that note of what did she have to do to get away? That's the part that doesn't make sense to me is, so she makes that decision. She suffocates her mother in the dream 
That gets her out, and the monster backs off and just leaves. But then suddenly, she goes from being chained on the table to standing next to the table with no in-between. We don't know what Mm, happened. mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did that happen? And I don't think... I don't think they ex- have any explanation for that. No. I mean, is it just where we were supposed to be like, well, the monster let her go? It undid the yeah. chains. You found the key somewhere. <laughs> or we've talked about this before where there's like an unreasonable freeing of someone that doesn't was never explained and doesn't make sense. And then we've been like... That never actually happened. The entire rest that, of the movie was yeah. hallucination. That's when I saw that. That was my immediate thought was this is another because mm. we were had already been primed for this. That mm-hmm. another thing that isn't really happening. Another escape that's not real. And it could be. But the way it kind of wraps up, it doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't seem like that was the intent. Because what really happens is that now that she is freed, now that she has proven to the monster that she is not controllable in that way the monster is supposed to be given the elderly women and children in order to give you blessings and i think what she did was prove that she is not weak which is the implication of elderly women and children right she's proven that she's strong she is she is the female praying mantis not (laughs) the victim of the praying mantis right so she gets out she goes and gets like some ancient sacrificial sword thing that has like cool obsidian teeth on it and aztec saw sword yeah it was it was pretty intense and she she shows red and becker that she also is not weak yeah and that was fun yeah that was fun but in the process she kills becker but she takes red and puts him on the sacrifice spot Mm -hmm. and opens up the box and the monster's like, all right. And she thinks she's getting out. And maybe this is why no one gets out alive. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's leaving when all of a sudden she gets the blessing, which is that mm. it cures you. It makes you feel better. And yeah, her be ankle sick. was all busted up and yeah. then it was better. And it gets you these little veins going on under your skin that let you know you're evil now. Which is why Red and Becker were doing this, because Becker was sick. Becker, yeah. I, I think Becker had some kind of cancer or something, yeah. right? And the box was keeping him alive. Yeah. And apparently Becker had protected his younger brother, Red, when they were young. So Red was like, well, I have to, you know, he took care of me. Now I have to take care of him. By murdering people. By murdering people. Nice. Exactly. But she's about to leave, and that happens to her, and she's, like, looking back going, hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe she never leaves. Maybe she continues all this because it feels so good. Well, so that's the thing. I think she showed the monster that she was strong enough that she shouldn't be eaten. But then the monster was like, I have chosen my new, like, avatar in the world. Yeah. Yeah, she got the blessing and she liked it. As she was getting taken down to be sacrificed, I was having all these thoughts about horror movies and how they have unhappy endings and stuff. And thinking like, you know, it's possible. I didn't think it was super likely, but it's possible that she's just going to get killed Mm -hmm. and that's going to be the end. Mm -hmm. And it would feel like a waste. like The futility of life. Yeah, what a Mm -hmm. dumb movie to do that. And that didn't happen. But then, you know, turn around and we get this ending that we did get. And it is definitely an unhappy ending. The evil is still happening and everything. Yep. 
And assuming, you know, that little look at the end means that she's turned evil and is going to do this to other people. Cool. That's an unhappy ending. That's fun and interesting. Yes. Yes. So I feel better about that because I was afraid that I only approved of happy endings. (laughs) Well, and it fits with the whole message of the movie, too, because it really is... She was powerless for so long that now that she has a little taste of power, I mean, I don't know, you know, maybe even the most purest soul in the world would have been corrupted by this monster. I don't know how it works, but she had been the victim for so long that now she has this opportunity to not be a victim and she, my take on the ending was that she was going to take it because it was that or continue to be a victim out in the world. And again, that is what capitalism does to societies. Like that is what it creates is that you are either a victim or you are the oppressor. And she was done being the victim. Yeah. Which goes back to, again, the, the question that I kept having, which is how is it possible that we are so far into this. We are so deep into the hellscape of capitalism and those people who have been treated as victims for hundreds of years (laughs) now have not yet decided to just overthrow the oppressors. Yeah. And that just made me see kind of a thing maybe... Like you said, Ronald Reagan and everything since then has erased the middle class and pushed us all the way to the far ends, poverty and wealth. And it's those people in the middle who have some power, but not not too much, that can be decent. I mean, this this is not to insult poor people. (laughs) Right. But you're not in a position where you're forced to be all out for yourself. You can help other people. You can be selfish to a degree. You can be in that middle. And when you erase the middle class, everybody is either a victim or an oppressor. Right. And you have this polarized, terrible world. And that's not to say that because I can hear not people who listen to this podcast necessarily, but like the people whose voices ring in my head when I'm like trying to be a better person, you know, pointing out that even in the middle class, even within our society, even the middle class is an oppressor of sorts. The middle class is used to keep the lower classes down because they are given just a little bit of, you know, just enough to make them comfortable and blah, blah, blah. But that's all part of that problem we're describing. Right. Right. But what you were just saying made me think about how there you have to have something in order to be willing to sacrifice something. Yeah. Like in order to choose to sacrifice for the betterment of someone else, you have to have something to sacrifice. And that's the problem. Like we look down on people who steal food and mm-hmm. like take advantage of each other or you know shoot each other over thing, you know, things that when you are more privileged, you're like, why would that, that's not that important, you know, that sort of thing. And it's really because we've taken away every inch of wiggle room that they have. Yeah. Like there's no flexibility. They have to fight for every single thing that they have. And then for people who have that flexibility and who are like, well, why don't you just Share what you have. Well, that's a thing that only you can only say if you have more than you need. Yeah. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. no hot political tip this week. No, no hot, no hot political tip. This movie wasn't political in any way. And it didn't make me rant and rave and be angry at things in the world at all. I very much liked this movie. I liked the message of it. I liked that it had an actual story that, aside from the message, the story was fun to watch. I thought the characters were played very well. I liked all of the different actors and actresses in this movie. Um, I thought the sets and everything, like the the artistry of it was done really well. For me, because of the culture that I've grown up in and the movie's that I have been most exposed to. This had a lot of very new, unique elements, which I appreciated, and it made it, like, it amped up the horror for me. I literally have no complaints about this movie. Like, Mm. I'm even thinking about all the conversation we just had, because usually, like, if we're talking, you'll say something, and I'm like, oh, that didn't bother me while I was watching, but you're right, that (laughs) is kind of a problem. I still have no complaints about this movie. And you know I love a movie that is fiction, but also skewers the horrors of reality. (laughs) Yeah. So mm, this has not happened very often in the past year. I am going to give this movie a five plus. Oh, no. Like Legitimately, this is one of my favorite horror movies at this point. Wow. And it's it's a horror movie that I think would be more accessible to people who generally like horror movies. Because the ones that I'm like, this is my favorite... Sometimes are ones where I'm like, I loved it, but I'm not going to ask normal people to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one was really, really good. I think it's, I think it's a movie that anyone who sort of likes horror would also like this, and it would probably be good for most people to watch it because, well, you and I, we try to be very aware of the things that this movie was talking about. It still brought like things to the forefront for us. There are people out there who are more oblivious to what it is really like to be an immigrant in this country, especially one that had to sneak in. And I think this movie could, through fiction, change some minds. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, not not change minds, but like you know, that first taste of a new yeah. vegetable. like <laughs> Open like, minds. Yes, like exposure to something that they might not have been exposed to before through a medium that they're like, that was a really good movie, like at the mm-hmm. end. I don't know. Yeah. Because it was, you had to notice the things. It wasn't like, nobody said, oh, this place is a sweatshop and I'm being overworked <laughs> and underpaid. Like it wasn't overt yeah. like that. It was, it was just the entire sense of the movie was that this woman was stuck. I don't know. All all around, I think this is a fantastic entertainment piece, also a teaching tool, also scary-ish. Five plus reincarnated moths out of five. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was the whole moth motif. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess it's reasonable i don't know there was nothing that ever really was like oh okay moths but it's fine it's good i mean i think it ties back into like i think it's a cultural symbol of death or life or i don't know what because it's not my culture cocoons and coming out of them and what yes yes be reborn as something new well and when i was looking at the monster i even was sort of like is this like 
a, a half moth. It like, definitely like she, was moth based. Yeah, she sort of looked like like what would crawl out of a cocoon <laughs> and but hadn't yet like dried all the yeah. gooey stuff but off. But instead of a cocoon, it was a box. Yeah. So what did you think of this movie? How would you rate it? What I really liked in this movie was how that theme that we obviously caught on to was really woven to every part of it. Mm -hmm. Every little bit, like how the monster worked and what was going on with the ghosts and every single thing was somehow a part of it. And even the ending was, you know, we talked about her becoming an oppressor and all of that. Like it all fits the theme and emphasizes it and pushes it forward. So that was really cool. And the cinematography and everything and the acting and all, it was very high quality, very good movie. But I'm not ready to give out the five plus. Okay. I would award this five reincarnated moths out of five. It's a very good movie. Highly recommended. Yeah. I even think if someone has gotten to the end of this podcast and was like, oh, I wish I had watched that movie. <laughs> like, this isn't even one that it would be spoiled. It's not, not like bad. some of the ones. Like, yeah, I mean, I, if you don't mind knowing how a movie's going to go when you watch a movie, you could still very much get most, like, all the things that you need to get out of this movie by watching it. Now. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Cool. All right, well, so that takes us to the end of this podcast, and there is no hot political tip. Enjoy your summer, and we will be back next week. And remember, no one gets out alive. I mean, no one got out alive. Mm -hmm. It's true. All right, bye. Bye. Oh, that's a good start. Uh, that's how that's that's good. That was a solid beginning. <laughs>